Okay, in this Febrengen from Tavshin Yud Base, 1952, uh, that began with a discourse about this concept in the Gemara. Um, the Gemara says that um, anyone who reads Shema without wearing tefillin uh, is like bringing a sacrifice without uh, pouring the libations. Saying Shema without putting on tefillin was like bringing a sacrifice without the libations. What's it, what is what is Gemara talking about? Sacrifice is about being elevated, about about arousing a yearning to be closer to Hashem. Just like a sacrifice was, was brought up and burnt on, on the on the mizbeach and became absorbed in the hafayer of Hashem and ascended to Hashem, so to um, our davening we're meant to arouse in ourselves a yearning, a yearning to be close to Hashem. Then there is tefillin. Tefillin, just like physically the tefillin, um, they were supposed to wear the straps in order to descend low, low down our body. So to the divine energy of tefillin is about drawing godliness into the world. It's about not about our creating a experience within ourselves of yearning to be close to Hashem. Rather, it's about to reveal Hashem in this world. So saying Shema without putting on tefillin is similar to bringing a sacrifice and not pouring the libations. Libations means pouring the wine on the altar. Why do you pour the wine on the altar? The, the Mara says you pour the wine on the altar, the, the wine went all the way down to the shisin, under the, uh, the, the, the um, altar. There were these canals on the deep, deep in the belly of the earth. So uh, if you brought the sacrifice, you were elevating the world towards elevating it, bringing out the, the uh, yearning, so to speak, of the world to close to Hashem. But pouring the libations... It's about the opposite, about drawing Godliness back into the world, about, about bringing things into the world, not about the world um, ascending towards divine source, but rather about, the, uh, about drawing it down. So saying Shema is like bringing a sacrifice, and pouring libations is like putting on film. And so there's a Nigin in the Alter Rebbe. The Nigin Alter Rebbe goes like this. It's, it's, it's called a Tenua. Tenua means like a one-line Nigin. Just like a gazelle is by the water bank and yearns for the water, so to my neshama yearns for you. That's the first part of the song. second part of the song is put a film on between your eyes. So what's the connection between these two parts of the nigan? Hashem wants us to have both things. He wants us to yearn to be close to Him. And He wants us to... to, to Follow the mission. The mission is to bring God is to reveal Hashem in the world by doing the things He asks us to do in the physical world. So, saying Shema without putting on tefillin is you're going in one direction. You're going towards holiness. But you're not, you're not bringing it back down. You're not putting on tefillin. Similarly, if you bring the sacrifice, you don't pour the libations, you're going upwards. You're not bringing it back down. That was the um, um, first discourse. And this discourse is related to the theme of arriving in Israel. Because Israel also is about bringing God to the physical world. Israel, the Holy Land, um, is a land where most mitzvahs can be done. Because the uh, purpose of creation is to reveal Hashem in the physical world. So that was that we began the bringing with. Now let's uh, continue on page 17. Regarding what we spoke about before, about the libations, but pouring the wine on the altar, and how this is connected to drawing godliness into the physical world, let's add something. 
Adam a person must say to himself, says the Alter Rebbe, that I need, to, I need to lower myself and to do the mission. And I should say to myself, it's sufficient for the slave to, be, to act like the master. In other words, since Hashem himself wants a home in the lowest realm, and for Hashem this is considered a big descent, if Hashem is ready to go low down into the physical world, so I should also say to myself, I'm ready to go down in the nitty-gritty and do the things that Hashem wants me to do, which to me look a little earthy, things which look unbecoming to me. I should go, just like Hashem wants a home in the lowest realm, He's ready to go down, I should also go, go, go down. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say, it explains, Glimmer. this means to say, Al Adam, person shouldn't say, I don't want to lower myself to be involved in physical, earthy things. It's enough for the servant to be like the master. You, you, you want to find out what your role is in this world? Well, do something at least, at least you know that your master, um, for sure, he doesn't, he's, not, he's not dying to do something beneath his dignity. So if he's doing something, you know it's good enough for you too. So what does your, ra- your master do? Who's your master? Your master is Hashem. What does Hashem want to do? Hashem wants a home in the lowest realm. If Hashem wants to have a home in the lowest realms in the physical world, so then it's 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 okay for me. It's not beneath my dignity to be involved in earthy physical things to make a home for Hashem. I shouldn't say ah, it's lower than my dignity. The Alter Rebbe says the pasuk, whatever Hashem wanted, He made. So we say this in the in the paragraph before the the Hoidus on on um, Shabbos morning. Uh, whatever Hashem wanted, He made in the heavens and the earth and the water and the depth. Um, everything Hashem wanted, He made. The Alter Rebbe said the the pasuk has another meaning. Whatever Hashem wants, it's about what He made. It's about the physical world, about action. Whatever Hashem, you know what Hashem's entire desire is. His full desire is that we should we should be immersed in the physical world to fulfill His mission here. That's His whole desire. That's kol That's his entire desire, which sounds like you know, like why you want to go there. But no, that's what Hashem wants. And if Hashem wants it, so then if it's if it's if it's good enough for him, it should be good enough for us. That's basically what he's saying. Okay, line number thirteen, um, sixteen rather. Uh, where am I doing? Fourteen. Tzaddikim, like, tzaddikim have a similarity to their creator, the Talmud says. So, concerning Tzaddikim also, we could say the same thing. It's enough for the servant to be like his Rebbe, to be like, to be like his actual Rebbe, not just like Hashem, to be like his Rebbe regarding the previous Rebbe. Bagdama. Before we get into what that subject is about, let's preface this. This coming Shabbos is a Shabbos that blesses the month of Tammuz. The big day in Tammuz is the 12th, the birthday and the day of the redemption of my father-in-law. So we have to think about how the Rebbe behaved during his imprisonment and during his redemption. Even when he was in exile, he, before he was redeemed, he was in Kastrama, he was exiled by the Soviet government there because of his activity in spreading Judaism. What does he do as soon as he gets to Kastrama? He makes a school, 
he makes a mikvah. So even while he's there in Kastrama, next page, when the Rebbe arrived in Kastrama, so, so just to refresh your memory, for a brief period um, after the previous Rebbe was sent to exile um, to Kastrama, he was there for nine days. He was, he was, uh, he arrived, he was sent there on the 3rd of Tammuz. He stayed there till the 12th of Tammuz when he was informed about his release. And the 13th of Tammuz he actually was freed to go. So he was there for a Shabbos. On that Shabbos, the Rebbe davened for a long time in Shul. It's something that made a real impression. It was something really wondrous to all those who were there. People saw the previous Rebbe davened till 3, 4 in the afternoon. Everyone already finished davening long before. People finish davening, they finish eating, and they finish sleeping. And here there's a rabbin, that's the Russian word for rabbi, right? Rabbin? Okay. And here there's a rabbin who's still praying. So all the people in the synagogue who had never heard of this before, they finish, they finish everything. And here he keeps on going. It was such a storm, such a tumult in the town, that the priest came himself to see the previous Rebbe Davin. Despite all this, how did the Rebbe feel about this? So he was making this huge impression. He was transforming this whole town. And how do you feel? So the Rebbe said, the fact that he couldn't write a letter to a Jew about helping them for the simple things going on in their life bothered him very deeply. He was, he was doing amazing things, but he wasn't allowed to write a letter. And that hurt him. To the extent he, he expressed himself to the closer chassin were there with him, he said to them, if I can't write a letter to a Jew, why, did it, why do I need a hand for What's the point of the hand? He said, better my hand should, should, should shrivel if, if, it can't, if it can't write a letter to a Jew. That's, that's the way he looked at it. Like, what, what am I doing here? He got smach. Think about it. Even though we're talking with the holy hand of the Rebbe, many holy things with that hand. Yet the Rebbe says about his hand, since a few days have passed, and he cannot write a letter to a Jew, even though he did many things on those very same days, he did many things to spread Torah and Judaism. Besides the fact that the whole reason he's in prison is because he's spreading Judaism. So this whole thing was about spreading Judaism. His whole presence in prison was about spreading Judaism. He is spreading Judaism. And yet, yet he says about his hand, I wish it would, why, why do I need it? Let it shrivel up. This is supposed to be a lesson for every single Jew about the way our attitude has to be to, to begin involved in the life of others. People say, why do I need to go down from my level to be involved in someone else's life who is in a very low state? He's in a low state. 
Better I should be involved in laughter things with myself. Why do I need to get involved in his life and his low state? Better I should do better things, higher things, myself. They know that there is a need to be involved in lower things, as the Talmud says. I, the world cannot go on without there being someone who works as a tanner, someone who works in animal heights. The, the world needs such a person. But yet the Jew says, what do I need? I need to be the tanner. Yes, someone has to help that guy, but why does it have to be me? That guy is such an earthy, low guy. Let me be involved in loftier, more interesting things for me that I consider them my, what, my speed. Yes, somebody has to help that guy. But why does it have to be me? Why did, the world needs needs a tanner. The world needs someone to help that guy. But not me. Why do I need to be that guy? And they continue and they say more. They also say, I know what, I haven't done anything. I don't, they don't see their impact. They don't see their impact in the life of others. On the other hand, they do see the impact of their descent by trying to be involved in the lives of, of, of others. They know for sure that they're losing, and they don't see any gain. Therefore, they claim, Therefore, they say, what does God want from them? Why do they, why do they need to crawl into low things? Why do they need to put themselves in danger and to put themselves in a circumstance where their hearts may be led astray and they may be led to serve other gods? Yesterday, the Gemara says, Jews who live outside of Israel are considered idolatrous. Why are they considered idolatrous? Because it says in Chassidus that the divine sustenance outside of Israel, is more concealed. It goes through more tzimtzumim, goes through more contractions. The, the energy, the godly energy in, in outside of Israel is, is more concealed, is more contracted, and that's why, that's why um, we don't, divine providence isn't as obvious outside of Israel. In Israel, divine providence is more obvious because it says the eyes of Hashem are upon the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the, end of the year. So outside of, inside Israel, that's why the physical phenomena of the land of Israel fits this, that Israel is a land that needs rainwater. Why is it in rainwater? When, you, when you're living in, 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 in a state where um, your life depends on the rain, you look up to heaven every so often because you need the rain. You, you think about Hashem a lot more. So Israel is a place where you, don't, you, you feel dependent on Hashem more than, in, than, than outside of Israel. So people outside of Israel, like Mara says, are naturally in a state of, that can breed idolatry because they're, um, they're, 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 there's this thick film that, uh, that is hiding God's presence in comparison to Jews in Israel. Of course, they see divine providence as well, but in comparison to Jews in Israel, they don't see it as much. So a person might say, why should I go l- l- down to a place that for me is considered outside of my Israel? For me, Israel is this kind of place, that for me is outside of my realm. What's the response for this? It's enough for this servant to be like his master. Despite the amazing, wondrous virtue of the Rebbe himself, it was okay for him 
to dying, to be involved in simple things. He was so devoted to this, he cared about this so much, he was so involved in this, that when he couldn't do it, he says, what is my hand here for? Let my hand shrivel. He wasn't just doing it to be yoytze, he wasn't doing this to fulfill an obligation. He was so into this, into helping people, who are in a completely different plane than him, that that when he couldn't do it, it bothered him so much, he, he, he didn't understand the usage of, of his hand. In Cain, if that's true for the Rebbe, if the Rebbe is okay for him to evolve in earthy things, so certainly it's enough for us to be involved in things that for us is considered lower than what we consider our stature to be. Well, however many virtues you think you have, whether the true virtues that you have, or even the imaginary virtues that you think you have, however you esteem yourself, you know that you have no comparison to the Rebbe. So if the Rebbe himself is involved in helping others who are completely on a different plane than him, so it's certainly good enough for you no matter how great you think you may be, you're certainly not in the realm of the Rebbe. In Cain, if so, if there's nothing else that can motivate you to be involved with the life of others, so think about this. It's enough for you to act like the Rebbe. You don't need to um, be in a higher pedestal than the Rebbe himself. The Rebbe himself cared about these kind of people, and he gave his life for them, and he bothered him when he couldn't help them so much he didn't know what his hand was for so for sure it's good enough for you to do the same the Gemara's words are it's efficient for the servant to act like the master but the Rebbe is saying a deeper meaning to those words we're saying, if Hashem does it, it should be good enough for you. But the Rebbe says that the words have a deeper meaning. The words also mean, you can be like your master. You can be like your Rebbe. In other words, if you will act in this way, that you'll be involved in the lives of others, which in your estimation is completely not something that you need to be doing, and yet you learn, and you say, I'm going to do this anyway, so this is what the Rebbe does, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to make those kind of calculations. When you do that, you become like the Rebbe. What does it mean you become like, you become like the Rebbe? As Rebbe mentioned on another occasion, uh, that what is our hiskashus? What's the way we connect to the Rebbe? By the very first mitzvah. What's the first mitzvah? That one, one Jew has to create another Jew. So that Rebbe said, that's, that's, how you get, that's how you connect. So to the Rebbe says over here, that your whole being becomes like your Rebbe, just like a shliach, when someone sent him as an emissary for someone else, his whole being becomes like the one who sent him. So by being involved in the life of, of, of others, even though it seems like um, so low, the contrary, that's what lifts you up. There was a, a chassid, the previous Rebbe, his name was Itch of the Masmet. Itch of the Masmet was someone who was on a completely different level than everybody else. Um, in service of Hashem. Um, I, had a, I studied with, from Rabbi Greenberg, Elvis Shalom in Marstown, and he merited to host Itch the Masmet for one, for one Elul, right before Shoshana. 
And he spoke about the strenuous day that he had, how many hours he prayed, how many hours he studied. And he was called the Masmid, the, the diligent one, because he never wasted any time. And he, he, he was constantly, constantly working harder and harder the whole day. Shachas to Mincha, Mincha to Mairef. And yet, that's not the point I, want, I, want, I wanted to share today. What I wanted to share was this. The previous Rebbe was at that time telling everyone, as he was arrested for spreading Judaism, he said, everyone needs to be involved in Tashbar. Tashbar is an acronym for Teneka Shabbos Rabin, children, helping children. I was listening yesterday to a talk of the Rebbe about this, by the way. The Rebbe speaks about how a child can't be in a school where the, the name of Hashem can't be mentioned. It, it's, it's, he's in a prison. He's, it's, it's, he's in Ganefanganish. He's in, he's in a prison that God's name can't be mentioned here. That said, if, you, if a child's in a place where God's name can't be mentioned, then automatically the other things are mentioned. The opposite of Hashem's name is mentioned. That everyone can do what they want. The Yitzhahara is mentioned. It's either this or that. You, you, it's not like you, you take, take out the name of Hashem from public, public school. And, I was speaking about the danger and, and, the, the, and, and the, it was just, I, the, the enormity of a child being in a place where God's name can't be mentioned. And the joy of a child being in a place where God's name is mentioned. Anyway, so, so the, the previous I was talking about this in, a, in um, Soviet Russia, where the only way to teach children Torah was to go underground. And he said to Rabbi, that to Rabbi the Masmet, Itche, if you're involved in, in helping children learn Torah, then you are mine. If you're not involved teaching children Torah, you may be Itche, but you're not mine. You may be Itche the Masmet, you may be whatever, however great you are, but you're not connected to the Rebbe. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have that bond. That's what I was saying over here. It may seem you're lowering yourself by being involved in, in, in this kind of activity, but this is not what, lo- what lowers you. This actually makes you one with the Rebbe. Okay, let's now continue. Any questions? This is the first talk on this for bringing. Any questions before we go on? Okay. Um, next, next paragraph, page um, uh, 19, line number... Uh, Number five, the new paragraph. Um, now I'm just going to paraphrase from the Hebrew. Um, regarding what we spoke before about the libations, libations we said means to bring godliness down to this world. And we, we're comparing this to being involved in the life of others, right? To do, do libations in ourselves means to pour our wine, right? To help other people, to bring the things down. So there now says, I want to also point out that you also need to take care of yourself too. And you have to learn from, from the way the mitzvah of Shema and the mitzvah of Tefillin are done, which are compared to the sacrifice and libations. Look at the way these mitzvahs are done. And then you'll help, help you understand how, how your involvement has to be with others as well. For before, first I mentioned an, a, a, a custom that Hasidim have, and that is to read Shema without wearing Tefillin. Others have a custom that if, they, if they're going to, um, or not just others have a custom, there's, there is halachic a sochik source for putting on tefillin uh, before eating in the morning. And therefore, um, it, it seems it would be better. If you want to have a eat before you, you daven, it, it would seem the best thing to do is to put on tefillin, say shema with your tefillin, and then eat. But Hasidim have this custom, they say shema, they don't put on tefillin, and then they daven. So how, do they, how is that allowed? So the Gemara actually says, if someone says shema without wearing tefillin, it's like saying, saying a false testimony. Because... Uh, it says in Shema, put on tefillin. So if you, if you say Shema, you don't put on tefillin, it seems like you're saying something, which is, you're, you're testifying you're supposed to put on tefillin, and you're not wearing them. So, Debbie said, I, I have in my notes, in my Rishimus, 
something I heard from my father-in-law, they hear that his father, their Bashab, would wear tefillin himself when he said Shema. But, nevertheless, we see that most people don't. So the question is, they're saying Shema earlier because they're afraid they're going to say Shema after the time when they start, start davening. So, um, they want to fulfill the mitzvah of Shema, a biblical commandment. So how do they read Shema without wearing tefillin when the Gemara says you can't? So there's a, there's a big question about this, and, and the conclusion is that um, when do we consider a false testimony, it's only considered a false testimony if you don't wear tefillin at all. But if you're not wearing tefillin while you're saying Shema, it's not considered a false testimony. Chas um, One of the um, famous explanations about this, in the name of the, the, which comes from the Chose of Lublin, he said like this. It says if you say Shema without wearing tefillin, it's like bring a sacrifice without pouring the wine, without pouring the libations. So just like you could pour the libations after you offer the sacrifice, because a person can offer a sacrifice one day and pour the libations the next day, and he has 10 days to pour the libations. So, too, you could, you could put on tefillin after you say Shema, and it's not considered a false testimony. That's what the Chayza says. However, this explanation isn't so smooth because Shema and tefillin aren't the same as, as those kinds of sacrifices. Because um, with, with the libations of the sacrifice, you could bring them the next day. With Shema and tefillin, has to be the very, you can't push off tefillin the next day. If you don't put on tefillin today, you are considered like you're saying a false testimony. And don't answer that. Um, don't answer that. The reason we have to put on film today is because um, you can't put on film at night, and there's an interruption of time. Because also by the libations, their mitzvah was to be done by daytime, not by nighttime. Um, just like the sacrifices could only be brought by day, so to the libations, and yet. The night in between was not considered interruption. The, by, the, by the libations, the night was not considered interruption. You were able to bring, bring libations the next day. Uh, so why would film be different? And further, by the libations, the obligation to bring them that day, sorry, the, the obligation to bring them by day and not by night is biblical. Yeah, it's a biblical obligation to bring, bring libations during the daytime, not at nighttime. And, and nevertheless, the night is not considered interruption, and you get a lot of bring the libations the next day. And how much more so with tefillin, which biblically, the time of tefillin, you, for tefillin you could wear an idol as well. Tefillin, uh, if you put on tefillin night, it's also a mitzvah, biblically. The Chacham made a decree not to wear tefillin at night. But, but uh, because a person might sleep in tefillin, but biblically there is a, you, you, are, you can wear tefillin at night. So, certainly the night should not be considered an interruption between the Shema and the tefillin, and therefore we need to understand uh, the, the comparison between um, Shema and film how and, and this custom of Hasidim to say Shema without wearing film. Be continue with Hashem tomorrow. All right. So libations can be given after after the sacrifice. After sacrifice or after sunset? Not after sunset. The next day for ten days, mm-hmm. but not at night. Oh. So the only way to have really stashers is to be involved in Help, helping helping kids, helping others, helping others, helping others, especially helping kids. That's not saying much.